0: Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, so we're in the middle of a series called Renew, which is also our theme for the year. And if you're so inclined to join us, my family, maybe this theme will be for the rest of your life. I'm convinced now more than ever that if we will change the way that we think, we can change our lives. And we spent the last four weeks uh, really taking somewhat of a deep dive into Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I wanted us to read it together. We'll throw that up on the screen. Romans 12, 2, let's read together. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good will pleasing, and perfect will. All right, let's go to a quick review. We've looked at some of the words in here. First of all, we looked at the word conform. And we talked about how when Paul says, do not conform, that the Greek word is schema. He's literally saying, don't allow your way of being. Schema is a way of being. He's saying, don't allow your way of being to be unconsciously formed by your surroundings. We have to be intentional about who and what we're allowing to shape us. Right? Not just the things that we do, but who we are, our way of being. Remember, we talked about being before doing. So many people are operating at a, at a level that they're be, they're doing more than their being can sustain. That's why we're tired and exhausted and burnt out and all those kinds of things, because there's not enough inside of us to sustain us. And so we're doing before being when God has called us to be before we do. We talked about being transformed. Transformed is the Greek word metamorpho, and it's where we get our word metamorpho metamorphosis. Think caterpillar to butterfly, tadpole to frog, right? It's changing from one thing into a completely different thing. Scripture is telling us that our lives can be completely different than they are now, but how? And Paul tells us by renewing our mind. And the word renew means to renovate. It means a complete change for the better. And it means to cause to grow up. So a couple of weeks ago, we spent a little time talking about the renovation process. Specifically, we talked about how a renovation takes work. But part of the problem is, and we showed an HGTV clip, part of the problem is a lot of us have HGTV Christianity. In other words, we want to demo an entire house in 30 to 60 minutes and think everything's going to be okay. But unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. But if we're going to renovate our minds and we're going to make a complete change, we're going to have to demo some old ways of thinking so that God can help us to rebuild a new way of life. Destruction has to take place before there can be reconstruction. A renovation starts with a demolition. We had that quote from Chip Gaines and he said, your hammer and demo day are like synonymous. You can't have one without the other. The hammer, of course, is a representation of work. You cannot renovate without hard work. Just like renovating a house, the amount of work involved depends on the situation. You might walk into a kitchen that needs new flooring. Simple renovation. You could also walk into a kitchen that needs new floors, new countertops, cabinets, appliances, etc. This type of renovation would be more costly and more difficult. Worse yet, you could walk into a kitchen that you think only needs flooring. You pulled up the existing flooring only to find that the subfloor is rotten, eaten up by termites. And as you investigate, you find that the entire house, the plumbing, the electrical, everything needs to be replaced. And what does that have to do with anything? Some of us are, our lives are like a kitchen from the 1950s. And I don't mean in a cool retro kind of way. I'm talking about their deep rooted ways of thinking, deep wounds and hurts from past relationships and experiences. And some of us, what we've done is we put new flooring down over a rotten subfloor. The surface, it looks great. oh, like your new floor, but underneath the floor is still unsafe. Look, God wants to do a deep work of healing inside of our hearts and our minds. And maybe you're saying, dude, I get it. You've been saying the same thing for four weeks. Renovate my mind. But what does that even mean? Hang on. I'm going to tell you. In August chapter, not August chapter, August (laughs) chapter 20. In August of 2020, we were in a series called Restart. And we spent two weeks talking about a subject that we called ungodly beliefs. Anybody remember that? So this is going to be a review for some of you, but this is going to be new information for others, and it's real important that we talk about this. But before we talk about the subject of ungodly beliefs, it's important for us to understand, and we sing about this today, that our spiritual default is a place of victory. It's a place of triumph. As Christ followers, we're fighting from a place of victory. And even though we all have work to do, and it is hard work, God is for us, and Jesus already secured the victory First John five four it says for every child of God defeats that word means overcomes and conquers every child of God defeats overcomes conquers this evil world and we achieve this victory that word is Nike through our faith Colossians chapter two fifteen tells us in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory or triumph over them on the cross aren't you glad that Jesus triumphed on the cross. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory. That word means to utterly vanquish. He gives us the ability to utterly vanquish our problems and the things that we're facing. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But these are only three of countless verses that talk about our position in Jesus. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, if you are a Christ follower, you are fighting from a place of victory. The battle has already been won. When we pray, it's not from a place of, oh, if God can, or I wonder if he he can. We're praying from a place of he already did. Everything that we would ever need was already provided, past tense, on the cross. Our salvation from hell purchased on the cross. Healing for our bodies, that's why we pray for people who are sick or in pain, was purchased on the cross. Healing for our minds, which is what we've been talking about. Renewing our minds was purchased on the cross. Healing for our emotional wounds was purchased on the cross. Freedom from sin, freedom from addiction, freedom from ourselves. Everything that we'd ever need was purchased by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. 1 Peter tells us that. 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, Verse 18 and 19, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, that you were redeemed from this empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus did on the cross what we were not and are not capable of doing. We could not and cannot save ourselves. We cannot forgive our own sin. Our spiritual transformation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But our spiritual place of victory, our, our spiritual default is a place of victory. But we live in a fallen world. and We all experience hurt and loss and death and frustration and sickness. And all of these things are an attempt from the enemy which is Satan and his demons, to distort our thinking and to cause us to begin to think like or to conform to, to use Paul's words, to conform to the pattern of the world's way of thinking, to cause us to question God's goodness, to cause us to question his sovereignty, to cause us to question whether God loves us or not even at all. When we allow our lives and our thinking to align or conform to our circumstances instead of what God's word says, it creates, going back to what we started talking about, ungodly beliefs. So, what are ungodly beliefs? Let me give you a simple definition. Ungodly beliefs are anything that you believe which is not in agreement with God's word, his nature, or his character. It's anything that we believe. That is not in agreement with God's Word, His nature, or His character. Now this includes all of our beliefs, our belief systems, our decisions, our attitudes, the agreements that we make with things, judgments, expectations, vows, and oaths. Anything that does not agree with God's Word, His nature, or His character is defined as an ungodly belief. So some just simple examples, and this is a skim across the service. I'm all alone. Sometimes people just feel all alone no matter what. No matter where you are, we're surrounded by people who love you, whatever, I feel all alone. Nobody is there for me. My survival depends only on my abilities. I can't trust anyone. Nobody really loves me. I am unlovable. And listen, I know that messages like this don't preach really well. In a lot of ways, it's not very exciting. It's the anniversary. Should we be celebrating? It's easier to preach about the blessing and the healing and the prosperity and the breakthrough. And it's more fun to get cranked up and worked up emotionally. It's more fun to walk out and be like, boy, we had church today. <laughs> That's fun. But I'm telling you that this content is where the real breakthrough happens. I'm less interested in having church and, and, and more interested in us being healed and whole people. This is where freedom happens. Okay, simply put, ungodly beliefs come from the lies that we have believed. Now, lies, by definition, are contrary to God's word, his nature, and his character. All right, we can go back to the Old Testament and see this description of God. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? God is not a man, so he does not lie. All right, now let's contrast that with the words of Jesus. And he's talking about Satan and he's addressing some religious leaders. I know these verses are a little bit out of context. So I'm making a point here. John eight forty four. he says, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He, meaning Satan, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding true to the truth. Now listen to how he describes Satan. God's not a man. He cannot lie or he does not lie. And then Jesus is talking about Satan. He said, there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. God's not a man. He does not lie. Satan cannot tell the truth. Now think about how Jesus describes him in this Verse. Right, The root of every lie that's ever been told can be traced back to Satan. It is impossible for Satan to speak the truth. Jesus said there is no truth in him. He is a liar and the father of lies. Now look, this is going to be a strong statement, but I want you to hear me. When we embrace ungodly beliefs, we are aligning ourselves with Satan. We are subtly and sometimes unconsciously placing our trust in the words of Satan more than the word of God. And maybe you're saying, come on, Randy, you're taking this too far. You're telling me that Satan and his demons are speaking to me. That's exactly what I'm saying. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul describes Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Well, what's it against? It's against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What's he talking about? Satan and his demons. That's what he's talking about. He's saying we're not wrestling against each other. We're not wrestling. What we're fighting against is a spiritual evil force. And so it's not a stretch of the imagination in any way to say that Satan and his enemies are attacking us in our minds. We have a real enemy. And maybe I'm trouble buying into this. But that's exactly what Satan wants because there's an old saying It goes like this. It says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. If he can convince us that he doesn't exist, he automatically wins. Why would we show up to fight an enemy that we don't even believe is there? See, ungodly beliefs become an open door for Satan to wreak havoc in our lives. Ungodly beliefs have the potential to destroy your destiny, your purpose, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your job and employment opportunities. And again, maybe you're saying, come on, dude, you're taking taking this too far. Is it really that important? Yeah, it is that important. Our belief system affects everything that we do. Everything. I love how Pastor Craig Groeschel says this. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. I mean, this is the classic description of perception as reality. There's an old story about the legendary magician Harry Houdini. Anybody heard of Houdini? He often bragged that he could escape from any jail cell. And in order to create some buzz around his upcoming performances, he would gather a crowd at these towns and would ask the jailer to lock him in. Then usually within minutes, he would escape. But as the story goes, there was an old jailer somewhere in the south that decided to accept Houdini's challenge. Right, but this jailer had a plan. He put Houdini inside of the cell He put the key in and he pretended to lock the door. 30 minutes passes and he's not as confident as he once was because he can't get out. An hour passes as he begins to sweat. Finally around two hours he admits his defeat. He sits down and when he leans on the door with all of his weight it opened because it had never been locked in the first place. Houdini was held captive by a lie because a lie Believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. And so the question becomes, what lies have you believed? What lies have I believed? Because if we believe the lie that we're a failure, we'll act like a failure. If we believe the lie that we're unlovable, we'll push people away who want to love us. Ungodly beliefs often come from hurtful experiences from family and friends, and from the culture that we live in. I don't know if you can make this connection, but what does that sound like to you? Remember, we spent weeks talking about conform. It means schema or habitus, which is our way of being. And how does that come? Paul says, don't allow it to be unconsciously formed by our experiences, our family, and our culture. That's the same definition that we've been talking about the whole time. And ungodly beliefs come through those very avenues Experiences, family, friends, and culture. See, when we believe the lie, we begin to live our life as if it were true. The lie becomes a part of who we are, it becomes a part of our habitus, our way of being. I know this may be repetitive for some of you, but it's just so important. And it's not something that we can address one time and just be done. Ungodly beliefs come from our experiences. These experiences call, create or cause what's called the belief expectation cycle. All right, so this is how the belief expectation cycle works. Right, we have our beliefs are formed out of an experience. These beliefs lead us to expectations that similar things will happen to us. These expectations of, of life, they shape our behavior and they affect the behavior of other people toward us. These behaviors lead to repeated experiences that continue to reinforce our beliefs in the beginning. So if the experiences are negative, they lead to ungodly beliefs or unrealistic expectations of life. And they lead to negative behavior. Right. Experience, belief, expectation, behavior. And maybe you're sitting here saying, look, I didn't come to church today for a psychology class. I get it. This is very spiritual. If we begin to receive healing for the ungodly beliefs that we have in our lives, it will be revolutionary to our walk with God. Now, let's look. Let's talk about a realis- realistic example of how an un- ungodly belief begins and how it affects us. And some of you have experienced this. And this, was, this would be trivial to some, but a punch in the gut maybe to others if you've walked through this. All right? You have a high school relationship. You have your first love. He, she breaks up with you for no apparent reason in your mind. The wound is so deep that you begin to ask questions of yourself like, what's wrong with me? Now going into your next relationship, you're a little bit guarded. You're guarded. You have this subtle belief that something must be wrong with me. That's why he or she broke up with me. This affects your behavior. This time you're guarded. You don't want to get hurt again like that. And so you won't let your walls down. You expect her or him to break up with you in this next relationship. And since she or he can't break through those walls that like you're putting up a protection, eventually they break up with you, thus reinforcing, there's something wrong with me. Which ultimately leads to a deep ungodly belief, really, and it all boils down to a place where you're like, you know what, I think I'm just unlovable. And when we begin to carry those kinds of thoughts with us, it affects every relationship that we will ever be a part of. When we embrace this lie, this ungodly belief, it affects us oftentimes forever. We carry it into future relationships, into marriages, into our relationships with our kids, into our jobs, into our churches. Ultimately, we carry it into our relationship with God. Because if people can't love us, how could God love us either? Experience, belief, expectation, behavior. Repeat. Repeat. These lies, these ungodly beliefs become, I'm going to give us some new language today, it becomes scripts. It becomes a script in our life, in our mind. And maybe this seems like a completely unrealistic example, but this is real life. I mean, how many of you have heard someone say something like this? Everyone I have ever loved left me. It's a cycle. And we come into this place, we come into this this way of thinking, we begin to believe this, And whether we know it or not, our behavior begins to recreate these kinds of experiences. How many times have you seen someone go from one abusive relationship to another abusive relationship? Not to be stereotypical, I'm fully aware that abuse can come from a man or a woman. But for the sake of example, a woman finally gets the courage to leave a man who's been abusing her only to end up with another man who's abusing her in the same exact way. The only thing that changed was the body of the person, but the relationship is exactly the same. What's going on? There's a belief system on the inside that's creating a cycle of repetitive behavior. It's an ungodly belief. It becomes a script. There's something wrong with me. I deserve to be treated this way. This is all my fault. I brought this on myself. And we have thoughts like that. We said this, Two years ago, and I think this is such a great statement. I don't know who said this quote, but I love it. It's that Satan often speaks in first person. He often speaks in first person. And so when you have thoughts that begin with I and they end with something negative, you can rest assured that the father of lies is whispering to your mind. I am a failure. I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad father. I'm a terrible employee. I'm not good enough. I'm fill in the blank. I'm unlovable. I'm not pretty enough. I'm whatever, followed by something negative. This is a whisper of the lies of the enemy trying to create a new script in your life. It's literally like he's handing us a script. He's going, here's your lines. Learn these lines. Say them. Repeat them. Anybody ever been in a school play or any kind of play before you had to memorize lines? What do you do? You carry the script around with you. You read it. You learn it. I'm terrible at remembering lyrics. These songs. These are songs I've been singing for 25 years. I can't remember the lyrics. And I don't know why. I was like, in my 20s, we would do these big Easter plays. And I remember one time I had this big, you know, disciple robe on. I'm singing this song, and I had I'd printed off the words and stabled it to my costume. (laughs) So I was like, I don't know what I was. Arise, my love. Arise, my love. Because you're script, right? But that's what the enemy does to us. He hands us a script and he says, Learn these lines. And whether we're saying it subconsciously, not out loud, or most of us, it translates from our thought life into our words. Remember, we were singing a song, we were just singing, When I open up my mouth, miracles begin to happen. When I speak what Jesus said, things begin to change. But the opposite is also true. When we begin to speak these negative scripts, Next week, I'm going to preach a message called Flip the Script because we've got to change the way that we're speaking. These scripts that are in our life, we got to stop talking this way. we got to get those scripts and those ungodly beliefs out of our minds so that we can begin, begin to be what God has called us to be, which is free. So Satan speaks in this first person, I'll never be successful. I will never get out of debt. I'm I'm, going to, I'm never going to find true love. I'm never going to be free of this addiction. I'm never going to make it. I'm destined for failure. Remember the words of Jesus in John 8, There is no truth in him, talking about Satan. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Going back to a Craig Groeschel, in a, in a, it's a fantastic book called Winning the War in Your Mind. He describes some accurate scenarios about the enemy. This is so true. If you succeed at something, he'll tell you that you don't need God. If you fail, he'll brainwash you to believe you'll always be a failure. If you have a great first date, he'll convince you that romance is the only thing that makes you happy. If you have a disastrous first date, he'll whisper that no one will ever truly love you. If you, if you show kindness to someone, he'll tell you how great of a person you are. You don't even need God's grace. You're so kind to people. You're so good. You're a good boy. <laughs> if you're unkind, he'll tell you what a hateful, terrible person you are. You jerk, why do you treat him that way? If you're trying to stay away from porn, he'll tell you that everyone else is doing it. Everybody's doing it. It's fine. Just go. It's, it's okay. If you do look at porn, he'll make you feel like the only person who's sick enough to do such a disgusting thing. And you'll just be it up inside. No matter what he's whispering in your ear, it's a lie. And a lie believed is truth will affect your life as if it were true. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now here's an oversimplification of a process that we can use to begin to correct some of those. And I'll talk about this more next week. And this, again, it's oversimplification. But first of all, recognize the lie. Two, remove the lie. Three, replace it with truth recognize, remove, replace. Recognize the lie, remove the lie, replace it with truth. Again, I know that sounds simple and on some levels it is very simple. But as we've already said, sometimes it's the simple things that are hard work. It's not as simple as going, okay, what's the lie? Okay, that's good, I got it. Because some of these lies have been brewing for years and years and years and it's gonna take some deep internal work. And the truth is, if you are not willing or I'm not willing to sit down and actually have some contemplation with the Lord, then we'll keep repeating the same patterns. We will be stuck in the belief expectation cycle over and over and over again, wondering why I can't quit this habit, wondering why I can't get free, wondering why everybody else seems to have so much joy and I have so much misery, wondering why everyone else seems to be whatever and I'm, I'm this and God doesn't do it for me. God does it for others, but he doesn't do it for me. It's because we won't address the deep rooted things that are inside recognize the lie, remove the lie, replace it with truth. Part of the renewal, the renovation process is to tear down these lies. And when we tear down the lies, it makes room for the truth of God. We just sing about that. I will make room for you. Man, we love to sing. We love to sing about stuff. Man, it's hard to live it, isn't it? Anybody else? Get a good song? All right, I was just preaching to myself. I was like, "I'm going to get free." I don't. You guys just want to, but don't come to me in six months. But I can't get. But you didn't. You're taking a nap during the service. What do you want me to do? There are people in the room right now that have ungodly beliefs affecting your life and keeping you from reaching your full potential. They're keeping you from becoming all that God has called you to be. Many of us, it's like we're in a jail cell with an unlocked door, but we believe the lie that we've been sentenced to life in prison. We're sitting there. God has provided a way out. It was like, I can't come out. I'm sentenced to life. And Jesus is going, I already paid the price, bro. There's no reason for you to sit in this cell anymore. There are people in the room, your internal script is so negative and so loud that it's impossible to hear the voice of God. Every time you take a step and begin to try to listen to the voice of God, you can't hear it because all you hear is the script. I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm this, I'm that. Can't get free because script's too loud. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about thinking about what we think about. What kind of things are you thinking about? Look, I'm on a journey. I don't have this figured out. You know, I had a situation last night. I told Aubrey this would probably make it to the sermon. I didn't know if it would. But man, it broke it broke my own heart. But I was thankful that I would quickly recognize this thing that came out. And I was like, I did not like that at all. And I spent a long time apologizing to my daughter. It was a few weeks ago. I was like, hey, can you make us a recap video? Just pull some pictures, videos, whatever. Right, so she made that for us. and And, you know... I already talked about my kids' procrastination problem. They they like to wait. So it was due last Saturday because it was supposed to be, you know, but we got it this Saturday. Anyway, (laughs) she comes in and she shows it to me, man, and it was good. And I just got choked up. And there are people in there that are no longer with us, man. I was like, oh, that that got me. I had to walk away from the computer. Joelle playing cornhole at our anniversary service. Mr. Bob and Jeanette standing there on flip-flop Sunday. And we just started talking about, she was saying, hey, the videos that I tried to pull down were very like, the quality wasn't good and I couldn't incorporate them in. And I just, I mean, I wasn't mad at her. It was really, she she said she didn't even notice. But my default was, well, if you started earlier or I wish there were videos in it. I think that's what I said. I wish there were some videos in this. Maybe that doesn't sound like anything to you, but to me, I was like, man, I don't, I don't want her to grow up and need counseling when she's thirty because I was, she was, what everything she did was not good enough. Oh, you didn't sing good enough today. You're a little flat on that part. Could you smile a little bit more? Could you? You think you could do this? You, you think you could? Why can't you put some video in there? Why can't you do better? She presented something to me that was wonderful, and I said, well, I wish there was some video in it. And she told me later, she didn't think anything about it. But you know what I did? I cried, man. I just walked back in, and I said, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. What's, and that's me, so I'm just telling you, part of my own process. What's the script inside of my life that's looking at her and going, And I I don't feel that way about her. I never look at her and go, I wish she was prettier. I wish she was a better singer. Every time she sings, I'm like, angels are in the room. I love it. She plays the piano. She plays the guitar. She draws. She's like so talented and kind and funny. And some of you don't see her personality. She's the funniest person I know. got me I mean maybe not I don't know he just he got us all but what I'm saying is this is my process I'm thankful I quickly saw it and I don't know what it is like I don't I don't know but I brought it to her and I said, I, I didn't, I didn't handle this the right way. She's like, I didn't even notice. We're standing in the porch, the lights out, mosquitoes. She's crying, I'm crying. She's like, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> and then we came to church and we did a rehearsal and we left and I called her and cried some more. She's like, dude, get over it. <laughs> I swear she was talking to somebody else. Like I was crying, baring my soul to her. And I, 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 it's like I can hear her say, it's okay, put it right there. And I was like, who are you talking to? She's like, I'm not talking to anybody. It's like, you told somebody. <laughs> but it's going to be hard work to really drill down and figure out what that is, among other things. And we all have things, we have default positions we just think, just come out of us. Where's that coming from? What's the script in your mind that's making that? Your first step is to recognize the lie. All right, a few weeks ago, we talked about thinking about what we're thinking about. You know, what are, what are you thinking about? If you don't do inventory of your thoughts, you can never fix this problem. I'm gonna give you... 10 things really quick. I'm just going to read through them. You probably won't have time to write them down. Take a picture if you want or put your phone on video and just video the screen. Or I'll send you these notes. All right. I can post this. We'll post this in the Facebook this week. All right. But this is this is kind of some homework for you. I'll go slow enough so you can write them down. Hopefully I just said you wouldn't be able to. But I'll try. All right. All right. So I'm going to give you some questions to chew on for this week. Here we go. Are my thoughts tearing me down? Are my thoughts tearing me down? Do I think worried thoughts? Does my self talk cause me to shrink back in fear? Does my self talk cause me to shrink back in fear? Do my thoughts cause me to keep people at a distance? Are my unhealthy thoughts keeping me from the life that I want? Are my unhealthy thoughts keeping me from the life God wants for me? Are my thoughts negative, toxic, or self deprecating? Does my inner voice tell me I'm helpless or hopeless? Do I find myself skeptical of others? And here's the last one. Do I lean toward imagining worst case scenarios? These are some questions that you can begin to chew on and to do a thought inventory. Look, The reason I preached two weeks ago about it being work because this is, this is a journey. And I told you, this is not a theme for me. This is not a theme for the year. It is our theme for the year. I felt God speak this this to me in August of last year. This was before I did this deep dive into this. I'm on a journey to to correct a lot of things that I didn't know were unhealthy. And I'm inviting you. And I feel like God is inviting us on that journey. You're not going to go through these questions this week and you'd be better next week. It just doesn't happen that way. Because again, some of us have a rotten subfloor, we got to go in and assess the situation. We need an inspector to come in and look at things and go, "Here, he you fix this." This inspector is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to come in. But these are some questions to get us started. Ask yourself these questions and then take inventory. Keep a journal with you. But pull up notes on your phone, text yourself whatever when that thought comes. Make a make a note of it so you can go back and look at it. Let me end on a positive note. The belief expectation cycle, where we talked about, you guys could throw that back up, right? So we get trapped in this cycle: experience, belief, expectation, behavior. It's not the ungodly belief expectation cycle; it's just the belief expectation cycle. Because, because when ungodly beliefs are replaced with godly beliefs, when we flip the script, and again, we're going to talk about this next week. But when we begin to flip the script in our mind, the same process leads to godly expectations of life. And so now we have an experience where God has done something, our belief and our faith is increased. We begin to expect that God is going to do something and then our behavior begins to align with those thoughts and we then are in a new cycle of godly beliefs where we flip the script and now those old ways of thinking, I won't say they're gone. Some of them will be gone. Some of them we're going to have to fight for the rest of our life. But it's a battle worth fighting. And I said last week, your family will thank you. Your spouse will thank you. Your kids will thank you. And I hope there's some day when Aubrey's 35 and she's healthy mentally, she goes, I'm thankful that you fought the battle when I was a kid. And you too. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, We'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.